So good to see all of you here today. Uh, I'm excited. I too, Heather, I love new beginnings. And so with uh, new beginnings, there's new hope. There's, you know, sky's the limit. There, you know, we haven't, the year isn't old enough to have any setbacks yet. Right? So, <laughs> so hope, <laughs> hope springs eternal and everything that we put out there hope-wise or everything that we put out there expectation-wise is still, is still accomplishable. And, but you know, our hope is not in what we can see. Our hope is in the Lord. Right? We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And the same God that got us through 2022 will lead us, guide us through 2023. The same one that provided for us all the years of our lives up to this point will continue to provide for us now because he's more than enough. I don't know what your needs are going to be this year, but I know that our God is more than enough to meet him. And let's remember that as we start in this new year that, um, you know, new year, same mission. New year, same walk with God. New year, same God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Uh, please join me in a brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, again, uh, we just, we bow our heads, Father God, and humble our hearts before you. Uh, thanking you, Father, that you've already ministered to us. Father God, through your, through your word, via song in worship, prophetic, the prophetic word that's already gone forth. And Holy Spirit, I know we don't have to see you to know that you're here and that you're working. You've already ministered to us where we're at. And we thank you for what you've already done. And Father God, we sit at the table now to hear your word and we say, speak to us, O oh God. Speak to us, challenge us afresh that we might hear your word and be doers of it and bear fruit for your glory, that others might come to Jesus and taste and see that the Lord is good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want <clears throat> to start in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Verses 18 to 20. I started with a thought of New Year, uh, same mission. So that'll kind of be the overarching the, uh, umbrella thought as we start the year. But I specifically want to talk today on the subject of our Christian DNA. Matthew chapter 28, starting at the 18th verses, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Everybody say disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, excuse me, we have a mission given to us by God. It's not just my mission. I'm up here in a, not a suit and a tie, but I'm up here in a tie. And I have a title. I'm a minister. I'm a pastor. 
senior pastor of New Covenant Fellowship Church, and there are prophets, and there are uh, teachers and apostles and all those, and it's easy to see those people have a mission. Their title speaks to their mission, but you know what? The mission goes beyond title. Because the mission that we have, the, the mission of God is for the entire body of God to fulfill. We have missions to go out into this world and make disciples. Amen? Now, that term, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, it, it could better be stated as you are going. As you're going about your life. As you are coaching. As you are working at your job, as you are being a student, whatever it is, as you're being a parent, a child, just adulting. As you are going about your life, be sure to be mindful to make disciples in your doing. See, we don't have to have a specified mission of going to Uganda or, or going to Russia or, or whatever. Your mission is wherever you're at. And so whatever you're doing, go about the business of doing God's business. He's called you to it. He's graced you to do it. He's gifted you to do it. It's just a matter of will we do it. And you know, and it's time that the church have all hands on deck, all mission focused, wherever we are. If we're doing that, then every aspect of society has somebody on mission. And everybody and, and people in every segment of society are hearing the gospel. Not only hearing it, they're seeing it lived out. Let's live what God's called us to. Are you hearing me? Let's live up to our Christian DNA. Uh, I do have some technolo technological issues here today that I'm going to work out. And um, I'm not going to get into detail about what they are. Uh, just pray for me. Christian DNA, what is DNA? So I started looking it up, and it says DNA is a molecule that contains your unique genetic code. The information coded in your DNA is hereditary, meaning it was passed along from your parents to you. From a natural perspective, your DNA defines who you are, your gender, your skin color, your eye color, your ethnicity, even your lineage are all in the genetic code of your DNA. When children are born into this world, they are marked by the DNA of their parents. My children, they're all marked. You can tell who their daddy is. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing because they're all girls. I'm sorry if I marked you too well. Y'all are beautiful even if you're marked by your dad. But they are marked by the DNA of their mom and me. You take a blood sample. It'll prove it. DNA identifies the children with their parents. 
And before these children ever do anything, their being is established through their relationship with their parents. I hope that makes sense to you. Before they ever do anything in life, before they fulfill, before they achieve, before they ever do anything, their being is established. They belong to someone. They're identified with the ones who brought them into this world. Their being is established through their relationship with their parents. And that sense of being is important, y'all. We spend a lifetime, especially with men, one of the first questions we're going to ask, what we know about you is, what we want to know about you is, what do you do? I need to know how to identify you. I need to get the measure of you. I need to assess some type of value to you. What do you do? Or you do, do you do something important? Because what you do ascribes importance to you. But that's backwards. That's not kingdom mentality. Because we're all precious in the sight of God. We want to know, what do you do? Maybe it's different, slightly different for women, but for men, I'm telling you one of those first questions, first two or three questions, we're going to get to what you do, buddy. We, 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 we don't want to get too sappy, but we want to know what, we want to know what kind of guy you are, get the measure of you. But sense of being is important. Our Lord Jesus Christ was settled and secure in his being, through his relationship with God the Father. Satan tried to crack through that and tried to give him some doubt, but he was too secure in his being through his relationship with the Father. Before he ever preached a sermon or performed a miracle, God the Father established his being. On the day when he was baptized by John the Baptist, he spoke from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He identified him. Hey, this is my boy. I'm going to establish his being. He is my son. And the world doesn't know how amazing he is yet, but I am well pleased with him. His pleasure in Jesus happened before Jesus ever did a miracle or preached a sermon. He said, I'm pleased with him. So it shows how he prizes the relationship. Jesus was already marked with the DNA of God the Father. And Jesus goes on and says later on that I don't do anything that I don't hear my father say. I don't say anything that I don't hear my father say. And I don't do anything that I don't see him do. He was mindful of the spiritual DNA between him and the Father. And he conducted himself consistent with that DNA. Are you hearing me? Nope, my DNA made me black. I can't not be black. It made me male. I can't not be male. I know there may be some scientific argument there, but I'm, I don't preach science. I preach the word of God, and God made them male and female. He made me male. I, I can't not be that. God made it so that children are marked with a genetic code that identifies them with the parents who brought them into this world. And think about it. 
it, it, there's, a, there's a divine wisdom in that because it tells me that who we are precedes what we do. We're somebody. Before we do anything, we're somebody. We matter. We're loved. We're precious. We have the life of God on the inside of us. Amen? We're something before we're ever called something because of anything that we do. Who we are precedes what we do. And DNA is the center of the physical aspect of the human being. So, I know we're in this world, this fast-paced world, and we live in a country where, look, I don't want to hear about it. I want you to be about it. it. If you're not maximizing every minute, of your day, then you're slacking. If you're doing something, well, how productive is it and how much of an impact is it having on society? How many millions is it making somebody? What kind of influence do you have? Because that ascribes value. And so if you don't have 50 million followers on a social media platform, You know, it seems to it seems that you are of lesser value than someone who does. If you're not creating jobs and making a ton of money for folks, it seems that you have less value. If you are a stay-at-home mom, it seems that you have less value than the corporate exec. But that is a world standard that is a lie. See, let God describe or let God define for you the value of you and what you do. So as, you know, as, this, as I go along in this message, you know, I want us to take a pause in, this, in, in the fast lane. Just get out of the fast lane of life where we're constantly doing and seeing how much more we can do and how much we can, you know, how fast we can do it, it's important to remember that we are human beings. Not, not, not human doings. We're human beings. Before we do anything, who we are, I'll say again, precedes what we do. And as Christians, we're born again with the spiritual DNA that tells us who we are. I want to take you to John 3, verse 3. Let's just... Let's just read John uh, 3, verses 3 through 6. Jesus answered him. He's talking to Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, say born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, remember what I said earlier that the DNA of a child has been passed along to this child from the parents that birthed that child. You're marked by your parents. And 
In that same manner, we are to be marked by Jesus through our spiritual rebirth in Christ. Are you hearing me? We are born again. That's what he's explaining to him. You must be born again. But along with that birth, there is a DNA that's passed along to you. Right? And there are going to be times when we don't live up to it. But it doesn't change the fact that we are called to it and, and, and we need to be held accountable to it. Right? But the reason I'm emphasizing this word being, see, when, 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 when we have a tendency to focus so much on what we do, we define ourselves by what we do. And if the doing isn't impressive, then we let that define, downgrade our value. We need to start with who we belong to. What is our state of being? And if Christ is our Lord and Savior, then our state of being is we are born again. And that tells us that who we are is people redeemed by God. I didn't hear any amens, but that's who we are. We are people who are redeemed by God. We are people who have Christ in us, the hope of glory. We are people who are no longer dead, but we are alive in Christ. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. So the same God, the Father, who spoke from heaven and said about Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, before he ever did anything or preached a sermon, is your father. And you're marked by him. And he's pleased with you. Even with your imperfections, he's pleased with you. Doesn't mean he's not going to deal with you. But you know when he deals with you, he's going to deal with you in a way that promotes your growth. In ways that's going to draw you nearer to him. In ways that are going to form Christ in you to a greater degree. He will chastise you. Because he loves you too much to let sin rule and reign in our lives. You're marked by him. And it is his good pleasure to have you called a son or a daughter of God. I hope that ministers to you today. Because you don't have to preach a sermon or perform a miracle for God to be pleased with you. You're his baby girl and his baby boy. So let who you are in him create a confidence in you that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Because you're not what you used to be. Right? You used to be marked by the world. You used to be marked by sin. You used to be marked by those who are dead in our sins, right? But if you know the Lord, you're not marked by that anymore. You're marked by his righteousness. Boy, y'all must be doing a lot. Hey, did y'all party too hard last night? <laughs> there's some honesty out there some transparency all right thank you brother <laughs> but just like in the natural we're marked through the with we're marked with the dna of our parents we're coded with them it identifies us with them the same is true in the spirit. You're marked. You belong to Jesus and he belongs to you. And it is out of that knowing, out of that being that you're able to do everything that God has called you to do. You're not helpless. You're not a victim anymore. 
You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. First Peter 1, verses 22 and 23 say this, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. Notice the correlation there. Since you have been born again, do this. Okay? Out of your state of being, do what you've been born to do. Not of, you were born, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. See, the DNA that we have, our spiritual DNA through our being born again, is not a perishable DNA. It's an, it's an eternal, everlasting one. An incorruptible DNA that is on the inside of us. And it tells us more of ourselves than we let ourselves believe. You know what? It's, it's, it's not being arrogant to say that you can do all things through Christ. Right? It's identifying the truth. You, you are identifying who you are. And it says, I can do all things through Christ. So because of my identification with him, because his DNA marks me, I can do what he called me to do. So I, I just want to encourage you in your walk today. Some, some, uh, some, some, sometimes we get a little bit wishy-washy and we're not sure where we stand with God. We're not sure, we're not confident that we can do what the Bible says we ought to do. And I want to tell you, you are well able to do it. Not only can you do it, you will do it. You must do it. And it's not something you're going to have to conjure up It's coded in your DNA that you're able to do it. It's not a work that you could do. It's done by the one who saved you. So believe in his work. Have confidence. In your spiritual lineage, have confidence in the work that he has done and what he's passed on to you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Say new creation. The question becomes, are you in Christ? It's rhetorical in that I'm not expecting an answer out loud, but I want you to think about it because it's that simple. It's simple, yet it's profound. Are you in Christ? Because if you are, then you are a new creation. His DNA marks you. And the new life that he's called you to, you are well able to do it. You're well able to be a witness for him. You're well able to be an ambassador for Christ. You're well able to, as you are going about living your life, you are well able to let your light so shine in such a way that they can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know what? You can win somebody to Christ. Yes, you can. Even without a tie. You can win somebody to Christ. Even if you don't pastor a church, you can lead someone to Christ. 
a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, a classmate, a peer. You can do what he's called you to do. You can fulfill the great commission. You can do your part. And you don't have to wait to accomplish something that proves you're able to do it. God already knows you're able to do it. Just like he already knew Jesus was going to successfully live a sinless life, be the propitiation for our sins, and he was going to die on the cross and, 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 and redeem us from a life of sin and death. Are you hearing me? Your heavenly father believes in you. Stand up and believe in him and what he's deposited in you. It's a simple, straightforward message today. We're not going to get in Greek, Hebrew, any of that stuff. But I want to start the year with, with the essence of who you are. Let your year start off with, with that. If it's a perspective change that's necessary, then let's have that perspective change. I talk to a lot of people. And oftentimes they're insecure in their relationship with God. They're not sure how God views them. And they're always in that state of mind because they're always focused on what it is they're either doing or not doing. In other words, so focused on performance, you skip right past the being, the relationship who you are. And I've said it before, and I'm going to say this again. When, when Jesus was baptized, he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be, it says, to be tempted by the devil. And I want to point out those temptations because in each of those temptations, he's questioning. He wants to introduce or in, inject a little doubt in the being of Jesus, in the identity of Jesus, in the identification with Jesus, with the Father. That's why he starts it off with, if you be the Son of God, then turn this stone into bread. If. Try and interject the seed of doubt or try and adjust the perspective enough that you're having the wrong conversation. That you're trying to prove the wrong thing to the wrong person. See, but Jesus was not confused and not in doubt. He knew that he was the son of God. And that he had nothing to prove to Satan. And so he could just respond back to him with the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, when when we start with our being, when we start with the relationship, who we are, who we're marked by, right, then we can look at the truth with the proper perspective and we can see the tactics of the enemy when he tries to get us off track and he tries to uh, smear the word or, or taint our interpretation of it. Hey, it's written in scripture. Hey, if you're the son of God, hey, it's written in scripture that 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 the angels of God won't let you dash your foot against us, you know, uh, 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 won't let you fall and perish. So just cast yourself off this cliff. If you're the son of God, they will catch you. You know, that shall not tempt the Lord thy God. See, he wasn't trying to prove anything to himself or to Satan. Because he knew who he belonged to. 
he already was affirmed by his heavenly father from heaven. This is my beloved son. I'm, I'm well pleased with him. You know, when you gave your heart to Jesus, you got that same affirmation. This is my beloved daughter. I'm well pleased with her. This is my beloved son. I'm well pleased with her. And we don't, you don't have to prove anything with your doing. See, if you're confident in who you are, then you can rest and hear God and go as God commands or leads you to go, carefree, not trying to make something happen. Not trying to make something significant happen. Not trying to do something that is impactful, degenerated up. Because what matters to you is pleasing him. There's no greater treasure, no greater value than pleasing the heart of God, having obeyed what he's called you to do. And if God is pleased with it, what else matters? I hope you hear the heart of that. We'll go to Galatians 5, and uh, as we begin uh, to begin to wind the message down, I almost just went with the fruit of the Spirit here, but Galatians 5, verses 19 to 24, but I think the contrast is important to share. Starting at the 19th verse of Galatians 5, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. No way, that can't be right. That's the work of the flesh. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So there's some other stuff on the list. This is not an exhaustive list. So just because it ain't included here doesn't let you off the hook. If it's in the same nature, if it is any, in any way along the same lines, that's the work of the flesh. And I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, say but. But the fruit of the Spirit, and this, this is important because this is the DNA that marks you. This is, this, this is what, what life that's been marked by Jesus ought to be reflecting as you are going about making disciples. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's Say belong. See, because we're talking about being. Right? There's relationship. Right? What we do should come out of who we are and who we belong to. We are the redeemed of the Lord and let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Right? And so, and those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Now think about that. So that, that means there should be a, a focus and an and intentionality to crucify the flesh and its passions and its desire. That's not something you can do on your own. That's something that can only be done by the grace and divine provision of God. But you've got to want it and you've got to go, for, go after it. That's why Paul says, he said, you know what? I bring my body under subjection. I do it daily. 
Now, we're talking about someone who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, right? Someone who God used mightily. And, and you see what it, were, what, 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 what it required in him discipline-wise, right? We, we read about how he confronted demons, how he confronted those who tried to squash the gospel from spreading, but a lesser, the thing that's played less attention to and it needs greater attention is the battle he was winning in his personal life that kept him postured before God in a way that allowed God to use him as mightily as he did. See, the, because he would crucify the flesh and his passions and his desires, see, he wasn't consumed with bitterness, anger, and vengeance at those who had beat him and Silas and thrown him into prison undeservedly. You know, you have to have the passions. Now, we're not just talking about lust and stuff like that when it comes to sexual immorality. A lot of times we have some passions, right? Sometimes we can passionately want to get back at somebody. Right? We can passionately want to do an eye for an eye, a two for a two. Right? And so, because he crucified the flesh, he was still able, back bruised, sore, beaten, hands and feet shackled, in prison for no good reason, he and Silas, in that condition, could stand there and be praying to God. And, and singing hymns and, and worshiping God. Not out of bitterness, they are still thanking God somehow in that situation. That means those passions have been crucified. The sense of fairness. How dare they do this to me? What did I ever do? All I would do was serving God. And I deserve to have a certain outcome. All that crucified. And in that moment, having done the work to win that personal battle and winning the war of the mind, the heart, the soul, keeping everything in subjection to honor God. They're able to cry out to God and thank him and praise him. I don't know what they prayed, but the prisoners that were in there with them heard them praying and knew that they were, they were praying to a God in heaven so that when midnight came along and that whole place was shaken and all the doors were open and all the shackles were released from their hands and feet, not a prisoner moved. I believe because it was obvious. I don't know that God they prayed to, but there's no doubt in my mind that God did this. And I don't know if they didn't go anywhere out of fear or out of wonder and amazement, but whatever it was, prisoners stayed in their cells despite the doors being divinely opened. And because he kept his passion, him and Paul, Paul and Silas kept their passions, their desires, their flesh crucified, the jailer and his family ended up coming to the Lord. They ended up seeing the hand of God in what they went through in a way they would not have been able to see if they were emotionally out of control and self-centered in their focus. Are you hearing me? So this is something that needs to be a personal objective of yours, intentional. Lord, I want to do what Pastor Cornell said. I, I, I want to crucify the flesh. I, I, I don't want to rest in this mindset that, oh, I'm just struggling with sin. No, 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 no. I want to crucify the flesh. I was buried with Christ to baptism and rose with him in newness of life. I am a new creation now. Right? So it's not God's will for me to just be struggling 
with the flesh. He's already dealt with the flesh. Now I got to be intentional in the crucifying of it daily. In other words, not letting it have its way, not letting it rule, not letting it dictate my thoughts and my actions. I hope you're hearing this. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And those who belong, your being, belong to Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you belong to him. We don't need no DNA swabs or blood tests. Right? The blood of Jesus has washed you whiter than snow. Like the old hymn said, there's a fountain filled with blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge into that flow. Lose all their guilt and stain. Amen? Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right? I got a new DNA. There's a song, I got a new attitude. I got a new DNA. Amen? We got a new DNA, y'all. You are not who you were. And it's time you see yourself in light of who you are in him. We don't need DNA swabs or blood tests to show that the transforming power of Jesus is alive within us. But let the reality of the new DNA that we have at work in us be evident in the way we engage with the world around us. I'm just going to let that marinate. You see, DNA is not something you can see, but the evidence of the DNA, the outward, like I said earlier, if, if my girls were standing over here by me, it'd be evident that there is a relation there. You might not know if they were uh, uh, sisters or grandkids or daughters or whatever, but you know, mm, I bet that that's their dad right there. You might not be able to see the DNA on the inside of the body, but you can see the outward traits that confirm the correlation. So as you are engaging the world around you, let the outward traits, the fruit of the Spirit, so emanate from you as to confirm the Christ DNA that is alive and at work inside you. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Early in this message, I said that I read the scripture in John 3 where, John, where Nicodemus was conversing with the Lord and the Lord was explaining to him this new dispensation. <laughs> He's basically preaching the gospel to him that this is not about observing law, salvation of the Lord, redemption, and his redemption is not attainable through what you can do and how well you can do it. It is only attainable 
through relationship. Your, your, your state of being is going to have to change. From being dead apart from Christ to being born again in him. And so you're going to have to be born unto him that his DNA might be inside you. And you might be reconciled to him forevermore. You know, Jesus loves you. He loved you enough to die for you. No one forced him on that cross. No one could have made him against his will suffer on that cross for your sins and for mine. He laid down his life willingly so that you could receive the gift of salvation that is only available to us through him. So if you don't know the Lord, you really need to get to know him today. If you are not saved, that is not God's will for you. He sent his only begotten son to die for you because he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. And there are many here today who once were lost. But we've been found by the Lord our God. We know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of all. And we know we belong to God Almighty. We know that we've been redeemed unto him. And we know that just as Jesus didn't stay dead, didn't stay in that tomb, he was risen on the third day, and he went and was seated at the right hand of the Father. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. That's the promise of God for the redeemed. He's prepared a, prepared a place in heaven that we will be with him forever. And he wants you there. But you must be born again. So I would encourage you. I, I would plead with you not to disregard not to take lightly or disregard that plea to salvation take it seriously wherever you're standing And I want you to make it a point to just come on down the aisle and come on up here and give me the pleasure of presenting the gospel to you and leading you. In a profession of faith in Christ. There will be challenges. Life won't be a bed of roses. He never promised you that. But you won't ever have to fear death again. And there will be a security and a peace in your heart that can only come through Christ. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. And so I would just give a second. I would ask all of you to just bow your heads just in your own personal meditation in the Lord. And, and, while, and while that invitation is, 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 uh, is hanging there for any who would come, I want you to use this time to personally engage God. I trust that God has spoken to many of you during this service, whether it was during the worship, the prophetic word that Pastor Dale shared, or through the preaching of the word. Maybe there's a little unction in the spirit, a 
a thought, something that God pricked you with. You didn't deal with it in the moment, in that moment, but you can deal with it now. Let's engage God. If God is challenging you in some way, you need to resolve it in your heart and get yourself to a point to where you can say, yes, Lord. Thank you. If there's anyone here present who doesn't know the Lord, uh, uh, please come and give me the, the privilege. Hallelujah. Father God, I will just pray a simple prayer uh, over your people that actually comes from your word that you gave to Aaron and Moses in, in the book of Numbers. I just speak it as a, a declaration of blessing over your people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Father, I pray these words and the, I, I pray this prayer and de de declare this blessing upon your people, Lord. Those present and those listening online. And I just thank you, Father God, for your faithfulness to us. You've always been faithful. You've always loved us. And that will never change. So, Lord, as we get as we start this first day of a new year, thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you will always be faithful to us, Father God. Thank you that you will hear our prayers. Lord, we may not get everything that we want, but that which is according to your will, nothing can prevent it. And so, Lord, we're not going to worry about what might happen. We're not going to worry about what challenges we might face. The only thing we're going to concern ourselves with is that we're walking in the spirit, walking with our God, being obedient in all things. That your face shines upon us, that you will bless us and keep us. And that you will be gracious to us. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. And may the name of Christ be magnified. Not just in the church on Sundays. But, but Lord, let us, let the DNA that is active in us, Father God, let us. Let it manifest outwardly as we engage the world in such a way that the name of Christ is magnified throughout the earth. That it's magnified in circles that it hasn't been magnified in in way too long. That it's magnified. where darkness has dwelled. That people who are currently walking in darkness can see Jesus for who he is and bow their knees to him and come to him in faith that they might be saved. This we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.